1: Hey, folks, before we start the show, let's talk about our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Bob Seska Show. The Bob Seska Show is almost entirely fueled by you, our Patreon subscribers, and we couldn't do four plus shows a week without your generous financial support. So if you dig what you hear today, please consider signing up for just $1 per month or $5 per month on our Patreon page. And depending on your pledge, you'll get all kinds of bonus content from me and my troop of co-hosts, plus it's actually the best place to contact me in person as we continue to post exclusive content like our post-mortem shows twice per week as well as the Friday after-party podcast and commercial-free versions of this show. So get going. Again, that's com, or just click the all-caps Patreon link beneath the logo at com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Recorded live in the USA, covering the whole wide world.
0: Right on. This is
1: The Bob
0: Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com.
1: From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, July 7, 2021, and this is the interview edition of The Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, what's up? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Day 169 of the Biden-Harris administration, 489 days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram at TheBobSeska and on Twitter at BobSeska underscore go. All right, the great Donna Halper is back on the show today. In case you're just joining us, Donna is a regular on the Wednesday shows, one of only a handful of regulars here. She's also the broadcaster who first introduced Rush, my favorite band in the whole wide universe, to American audiences back in the early 1970s. In addition to her connection with Rush, Donna's also a college professor, a media historian, and a prolific blogger. Well, today we're going to talk about the passing of Getty Lee's mom, a Holocaust survivor who died just a few days ago. We're also going to dig into fake news, Tucker Carlson, education. We're even going to talk about ice cream and soup somehow. Stand by for that. And meantime, if you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe to our bonus content at patreon.com/slash Bob Okay, let's catch up with the inimitable Donna Halper.
2: There he is.
1: Yes, my favorite brain tree resident since Abigail Adams.
2: So have you got a camera or not? I do. I just wanted to see your handsome face at least once. Okay, let's see. Because we basically just communicate in other ways, and I just wanted to, like, say hi.
1: Hey, you know what? I might as well screw it. I'm going to leave the video on. How about that?
2: <laughs> I don't know. Does this mean I have to, like, keep my clothes on? I mean, has it come to this? <laughs>
1: Well, no one's going to see the video except you and I. I,
2: You know what? With all the times that we have talked to each other, have we ever, like, seen each other live?
1: I think this is the first time. I think this, so this is a famous is first. And I'm so glad because, you know what? We both have Baby Yoda sitting behind us. We both have...
2: Of course. I, Baby Yoda I, wants to be on the show, okay? They're... He's really <laughs> offended. He's like, Wait. if I were not so calm, I would be offended. <laughs> Right. Um, so, so when would you like to get started, my dear? We are
1: started. All of this is going to okay. be on the show. all of Oh
2: my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I've got a reputation to consider.
1: <laughs> Tell me about Mary Weinrib. Tell me about what uh, she was like, Getty Lee's mom.
2: Well, first of all, what a year and six months it has been. Yeah I yeah. mean first we lose Neil. right. Then we lose Neil's dad.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now we've lost Getty's mom.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Can I say it is not a cliche if you get your health, you get everything. That's that right. That is not a cliche, okay? Yeah, yeah. So for all the people that are like complaining because, oh my God, they didn't have the right latte this afternoon. I mean, <laughs> I ordered it with sweet and low and they gave me st- Wenda, you know, it, it really, right, right. I just, if you got your health, that's the bottom line.
1: That's exactly
2: I right. I say that as a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. I mean, really? Yeah. Um, so here's what I know about Mary. May mm-hmm. she rest in peace. Um. First of all, I know she had been ill for a while. So, you know, <laughs> I just, I'm glad she's not suffering. I'm glad she's not in pain, but I'm sorry she's not here anymore. But on the other hand, and I said this about Glenn Peart the same way, they are here. Mm -hmm. Because in the case of Neil, his music lives on indefinitely, and it has changed people's lives. And in the case of Getty. One of the nicest people who ever lived. Yeah, no kidding. A charitable person. Mm -hmm. Someone who contributed to the, you know, black baseball museum. Mm -hmm. Somebody who contributed to children's charities. Somebody who is a family man. And Mary lived to see it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Which is the ultimate repudiation of Hitler because Hitler's goal was to wipe out the Jewish people. That's right. And many Jewish people did not vanish. They did not get wiped out. Mm -hmm. They are still here. And Mary lived a good life. She lived a long life. And every day of that life was kind of a middle finger to Hitler. It was like, yeah, yeah, Mm
0: -hmm. still
2: here. Still raising good children, still doing the right thing, still running a store, still taking care of family, still doing all the stuff you said I'd never do. Yeah. So, mm.
1: a remarkable story, an inspirational story. God, um, yes. Getty Absolutely. Lee's mom.
2: I don't think most people who know Rush really think a lot about the parents i mean the community of fans do but i'm talking about the casual person who's like oh they heard you know limelight on the radio it's like Mm -hmm. oh that's a really good song and i wonder what else that band has done that's right um but for the fans who really love the band they are part of a worldwide community Mm -hmm. and thousands of them were upset when they heard about Mary. So what yeah. was Mary like? I heard about her many, many times. But it's kind of like you, Bob. I this is we are taping this and we're zooming. Yeah. Now, this is the first time we have actually seen each other. <laughs> it's okay? so true. And yes. yet, you've been a part of my life for years. Mm -hmm. I've heard you on the radio. I've read your stuff. I've had the honor of being on your show. But seeing you, not so much. Same thing with Mary. I heard about her. I knew family members. I knew people that knew her. I felt like I knew the lady. But I first really met her, I believe, in 2013. And I say, I believe, because we were at a lot of family functions. Um, She may have been at the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that Neil's wife and then little daughter were there. And I know that Getty's kids and his wife were there, but things get chaotic at these events. Oh, sure. They really do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, A lot of meet and greet events are very quick, The band are going somewhere. They're in a hurry. I totally get that. Yeah. But in the case of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, for one thing, the attitude of the guys for years about the Rock Hall had been sort of, you know, if Jan Wenner wants to keep us out, so be it. Okay, life goes on. We've got millions of fans. We got umpty-fumpty gold albums, and he can have a nice day. Okay. (laughs) But gradually when their parents got excited about them getting inducted, you know, that old cliche, if mama's happy, everyone's happy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So mama was happy. Okay. I mean, Mary and Betty and the moms were delighted. Okay. And the moment the moms were delighted, it was like, yeah, we've always wanted to be inducted. Absolutely. (laughs) Be inducted, yeah. That's good
0: story. Who wouldn't
2: want it? You know? So it was just hilarious. Yeah. Um,
1: And I remember, in fact, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, when Jan Wenner first announced from Toronto, some of the first people to stand up, some of the first people to get to their feet in that huge, rousing standing ovation were Russia's family, uh, their parents,
2: Absolutely. their wives. And yeah. we, all, we all took the time, mm. as a matter of principle, to boo Jan Wenner. So, yes, we did. <laughs> Good for <Hello>. you. <laughs> uh, you know, it was the least we could do. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He got it. Yeah, He got it because at a certain point when the booze were raining down and I was there. So, I mean, we're talking like three or four minutes worth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just walked out and everybody started it. and he, he knew
0: what a shame. He was like.
2: Yeah. Rush fans. Am I right? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and we were like, well, yes we are. Yeah. Because and, I mean, for the uh, longest
1: time, no one was a bigger enemy to rush. No one oh, was bagging on oh. rush more than Rolling Stone. <laughs> and they yep. finally came around. Didn't they,
2: they thrashed the yeah. band. Hello. You know, but Rush outlasted them. I always used to joke around and say nobody loved Rush but the people.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay.
2: So, I mean, the critics kept them out for years. Yeah. I kept fighting. Okay. I kept fighting behind the scenes. I approached critics relentlessly. I would not go away. (laughs) And I was not the only one. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to make this about me. I'm just saying I was part of a team that helped Rush to get a star on the Walk of Fame. And the reason we did that was basically with the hope that the Rock Hall would be embarrassed and say, whoopsie, we should induct these guys. But it turned out that some of the old guard had to retire first. And when some new judges came along, they liked Rush. And only a year later, boom, Mm -hmm. they're inducted. So long story short, um, Peggy, who I've been friends with for years, she's in Russia's management um, and one of the nicest people who ever lived. okay? And so she gets in touch with me and lets me know that I'm coming to the induction. Now I know that sounds to the fans like, oh, well, of course nah. <laughs> There's no, of course. Mm-hmm. okay? These guys have lives. I have never expected, nor have I assumed, that they would do stuff for me. I never asked them to. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a finder's fee. I didn't want a finder's fee. I was perfectly happy as a music director to give these guys their start and to help them get some attention that I felt they deserved. The fact that we ended up becoming friends we'd win win. I, it was wonderful and it was totally unexpected. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when they would have events, I never pushed to be invited. I figured they knew where I was. If they wanted me there, they'd have me there. Yeah. If they didn't have me there, I didn't take it personally. Mm-hmm. So they asked me to come out and give a speech for their star. And I did. And I came out, me and Billy Corgan, we did the speeches to give them their star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I was delighted. OK, but with regard to the Rock Hall, like I said, I was just so happy that they were inducted. Finally, <laughs> and I never thought that much about was I going to be there. The main thing was they were going to be there. Right. So when Peggy got in touch I'm, I'm actually going somewhere. I know you asked me about Mary.
1: I'm just loving there. every second of this. You could you okay, can just do this for the next not hour. You're going to be yeah.
2: old and gray before I, I notice you are getting a beard. Here. It's <laughs> like, you know your hair is turning gray. This is very sad. Are we running video on this or are we just doing This it's
1: going to be an audio only show, but ah, we can no we can still bad. look at each other. Yeah. Too yeah.
2: Bad. So people can't <laughs> see your Batman shirt or anything.
1: Like well, I'm wearing this. the I was on the Stephanie Miller show this morning, so this everyone saw this on television.
0: So
2: I mean, here I dressed up for you And what good did it do? <laughs> so, I should have just worn jeans And a ratty t-shirt I mean, <laughs> So, anyway So, Peggy gets in touch And um, she says um, You're going to the Rock Hall induction I said, mm-hmm. thank you, I appreciate it I still have the email And um, she puts me In the same hotel With Getty's mom and with Getty's sister. And again, I may have met these folks, but it was like, they were going this way. I was going that way. Yeah. And suddenly we're in the same hotel and it was so cool. So I get to, you know, I get introduced to Getty's mom. And of course I know who she is. And I'm surprised that she sort of knew who I was, mm-hmm. okay? Because again, I never assume. oh, of course she would. Why of course? I'm, I'm not a big topic of conversation for a lot of people. Really, I'm not. For some of the fans, yeah, probably. For my enemies, yeah. Every day I'm a topic of
1: <laughs> I conversation. I can't imagine. You don't have any enemies. That's oh, ridiculous. Oh, God, you
2: should read some of my emails. <laughs> but um, but particularly when I talk politics, which yeah. we're going to do in a few minutes. Oh,
1: absolutely, yeah.
2: But that having been said, so I said hello and this and that. Now, I was raised in a Yiddish speaking home, okay? Um, Yiddish, for those who don't know, is not Hebrew, okay? Mm. Yiddish is a vernacular language and it's the language that European Jewish people spoke, okay? And most of my ancestors came over from Europe, from Lithuania, from Russia, from various parts of Poland, et cetera, et cetera. And um, they spoke Yiddish. Now, my parents were born here, and when they didn't want the kids to understand what they were saying, they'd switch to Yiddish, okay? (laughs) So I sort of learned it in self-defense, because obviously, as a kid, I wanted to know what they were saying about me, hello. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to speak it. Do I speak it fluently? Not haven't used it in years, but I do know a lot of different words. And while I may not have the best words, I do have some words. And so I spoke a little Yiddish to her and she was just stunned. Okay. (laughs) In Yiddish, there's a word called kvell, K-V-E-L-L. She kvelled. When you kvell, your entire face lights up. It's like you radiate joy, okay? And she was just quelling. Not because I'm so wonderful, but because I spoke her language. Now, agreed, she'd been speaking Yiddish most of her life, but she also learned English. Mm -hmm. So to go to Canada, you had to learn English. But the fact remained. Not a lot of Americans or Canadians speak Yiddish these days. Yeah. They should. It's a great language. It's really expressive. It's fun but and I,
1: interesting and strange oh, and yeah, yeah.
2: But she just really, you know that old expression, she felt seen, she felt heard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, ah, you know my culture, you know? Yeah. And here's somebody who like I said had been speaking English for generations, but this was her mother language
0: mm-hmm.
2: and she loved speaking a little Yiddish with me. She got a big kick out of it. Yeah,
0: Okay.
2: I met Getty's sister and we became friends. I would not say we're like best buds, but we've hung out on a couple of occasions. When I was up in Toronto, we had lunch. I just, the nicest person. Okay. And we're still in touch. Long story short, we go to the rock hall and yeah you're right i mean when jan Winter mentions the name everybody leaps up they're all applauding this and that yeah mary was their biggest fan you kidding Mm -hmm. me um so we're backstage at the end at the after party or whatever and she sees me and uh, (laughs) i go over and say hi to her and this and that and in her just charming accent she calls getty over he's like getty have you thanked Donna for all she did for the band? And, and Getty's like, ma, I thanked her a million times. You know? <laughs> that's um, so great. But, but that's, that's how she was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is how she was. And I found a couple of photos from that, from that event. And I posted them to my Facebook page and I posted them to Twitter and I will always remember her as a kind person but also as a person who you did not want to get on her bad side when it came to getty she loved getty and you know um so the truth is that she lived an amazing life she did may she rest in peace yeah. may she rest in power yeah. and may her memory be for a blessing and we say that in Hebrew, it's often misquoted as may her memory be a blessing, yeah. but we say for a blessing because the opportunity for you, and you don't have to be Jewish to do this, folks, the opportunity for you is to go out and bless her by doing a good deed, Yeah. because when you do a good deed in her memory, you keep that memory alive mm-hmm. unto the next generation, like my name is Donna. Everybody knows that. Okay. But my Hebrew name and the name I use on Twitter is Devorah Leah. That's my true. Hebrew name. Mm-hmm. Because in European Jewish custom, you get two names you get your American or Canadian or whatever name, the name that everybody knows you by, and then you get your religious name. And your religious name is you are named after. Someone who has gone before you, a relative usually, mm-hmm. so that they live on in the good deeds that you do in their memory. Wonderful. So I am named for my grandmother. Her name was Dora. And by the time I came along, the name Dora was not a common name anymore. I mean, it came back with Dora the Explorer. <laughs> yeah. But in the, the 1940s, it had passed out of being a very common name. The rule is you just have to basically use the first initial or get as close to the name as you possibly can. So Donna, Dora, but yeah, I'm Devorah Leah, and I hope that I have cast positive light on my grandmother. May she rest in peace. I never met her. She died before I was born. And interestingly enough, She died of the same cancer that I had generations later. She only lived to be 44. I'm still here, much to the disappointment of my enemies, and I'm 74. Mm -hmm. So cancer research has come a long way. But my point is, when I do a good deed, like my favorite charity is DonorsChoose and DonorsChoose.org, is an organization that crowdfunds school supplies for teachers and classrooms in need. And whenever I donate to help a teacher in need, I always donate in memory of my grandmother. And I always donate in memory of my late parents Mm -hmm. so that I'm blessing them and their names live on does that make any sense at all? Absolutely. And the thing that I
1: keep thinking about, too, is another way you honor that name is because you introduced this wonderful music to all the rest of us. I mean, you, in a way, Indeed.
0: you belong
1: Indeed. in the Pantheon with the other Rush parents because you're actually Rush's mom. You're the mother of the band as a well, whole.
2: In the, in the early days, Bub, in the early days, they did kind of think of me as a big sister. Because they were three very insecure kids from Toronto, and I'm not being unkind to them. I mean, they've no, said they would anything. say
0: that, yeah, yeah,
2: they have said that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were like three kids who basically had never been out of Toronto, and there they were in Cleveland, and people were applauding them at the Allen Theater and at the Agora Ballroom. And I mean, they were like, we can't get arrested in Toronto. <laughs> I mean, nobody even <laughs> knows us there. <laughs> I mean, yes, they were big, you know, the in the club scene people kind of went to see them and stuff like that. But in terms of being like really popular,
0: no, they
2: really weren't. And the reality was that in Cleveland, they didn't know anybody, but they knew me. And so I was kind of like their big sister until they no longer needed a big sister. And then I became sort of like their friend, their cheerleader, their champion. People, it's really kind of weird, okay? I get two kinds of folks that reach out to me on social media. One kind is sort of like, oh, my God, you're amazing. And the other kind is, who do you think you are? The band would have made it without you. And you're so arrogant.
1: Mm, I don't think so. I'm like,
2: me? Really? Uh, Okay. (laughs) The truth is, yes, you're right. The band would have made it without me. Eventually,
1: eventually. Yeah.
2: Eventually. Yeah. But as a music director, I had a platform and as a friend, I had an opportunity. And, you know, that old song, you know, which I dearly love. uh, While you see a chance, take it by Steve Winwood from 1982. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of always been my motto. While you see a chance, take it. That's right. That's right. Um, I mean, and, and, and arrows, we're talking like when you see a fork in the road, take it. But
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah I
2: see a chance. Take it. And mm-hmm. so I saw a chance with Russia. <clears throat> Most fans don't know all the stuff I did behind the scenes over the years. I never went on social media about it. I never said anything about it. But the guys knew. Yeah. And they appreciated it. And that's what I did it for, okay? I didn't do it so that somebody would write an article about me. And most of the time they didn't because I'm not the story. Mm. They're the story. That's right. But if I could play a part, if I could get on wonderful podcasts like yours, if I could be in a webcast, if I can, you know, say something that will bring new listeners in to the Rush family, I'm a happy person. mm mm-hmm. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't need any adulation about it. If people want to say nice things about me, I appreciate it. But I hope that instead of just like, oh my God, you got you brought us our favorite band. I hope they would also understand that who I am is not just the person that brought you your favorite band. I am as someone who believes in ethics. And that's why I brought you your favorite band, because these guys deserved to get more attention. They Mm. were hardworking, decent human beings. They were family men. And yeah, they made some great music. And it was my privilege to do something to call attention to them. And if people remember me for that, that's very nice but I'd much more be interested in people remembering what Rush did in their lives mm-hmm. and let them do some good deeds in appreciation of what Rush did in their lives. Yeah.
1: Does, does that make sense? Oh, yeah, obviously. I, and your modesty actually is in very much keeping with the attitude of the band. I know that the members of rush do a lot of charitable giving, as you said, at the beginning of the show, and they never advertise it. It's never for, well, let's get a press gaggle in here to take a picture of us handing over a check to charity X and Y that never happens. They're very, very modest with their contributions to society. And your modesty along those lines is perfectly in keeping. It's as there's, there's an attitude among those of us who are, you know, supporters of Rush. And we have a kind of an understanding insofar as an understanding and an insight insofar as not only has the music of the band inspired us, but for me personally, the ethics and work ethic in particular of the band, the way these guys handle themselves, not only publicly, but in terms of how they approach their music, how they approach life. Neil Peart, especially uh, in terms of his extracurricular activities between shows, uh, bike riding, motorcycle riding, his love of nature, his love of life, the natural splendor of the world. These are all things that... Um, introduced all kinds of new dimensions to the band and to those of us who love their music. And so in that and, and sense, I've it's inspirational. Said, Bobby, yeah. I've
2: said on more than one occasion that unlike a lot of rock stars that I've met over the years, and I've met a lot, come on, I was in broadcasting four <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: decades.
2: Yeah. There aren't too many people I didn't meet at one time or other. Mm-hmm. Okay. But out of all the people I met, with Rush, I could honestly say, what you see is what you get. Yeah. They never got caught up in the, oh, don't you know who I am kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. They just, no, that's just never been how they were. And that gets me back to Mary yeah. and to the other parents, because yeah. this is how they were raised. They were raised to be decent, humble people. Now, agreed. You can raise somebody all the right way and they can still, you know, grow up to be an ax murderer.
0: (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Okay.
2: But the truth is that there's a verse in scripture. I mean, how many people quote scripture on your podcast? Um, (laughs) I've had had
1: John Fugel saying on the show, so a lot.
2: Well, there you are. Um, But he never calls me. So what's the point? Uh, We got to fix that. We got to
1: fix that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, um, but seriously, um, there's a verse in scripture that says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Mm. I believe it comes from the book of Proverbs. And what that means is not that like, oh yeah, if you teach your kids to do the right thing, they'll be perfect. No, but if you give your kids, or if you don't have kids, your siblings, your, you know, big brother, big sister kind of thing, if you give kids an ethical foundation that will stay with them. Mm-hmm. They may make mistakes, but in the end, they will come back to ethics. Okay. Yep. And one of the things I've been doing recently, I've been on this rush deep dive uh, pod, webcast, and it's been just so much fun. Okay, yes. No. Yes. We analyze rush lyrics. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool to be able to do that. And it's also given me a chance to refute the myth that Rush are anti-religion, I mean, I have a, a friend who's an evangelical, and she's like, "I would never listen to them because they're against God." I, I no, really, not really. Yeah, um, they're against belief, as in, don't think for yourself, just believe. No, no, they they are not the kinds of people who would recommend that you find yourself a cult leader and just believe whatever he says. On the other hand, they are the kinds of people who say, think for yourself. And if Mm -hmm. where thinking for yourself takes you is scripture, fine, whatever. As long as you are an ethical person, that's what really matters. Okay? Ethics first. And some people find ethics in the Bible. Some people find ethics in humanism. Some people find ethics in rock and roll or whatever else. But the bottom line is treat others kindly. Don't lie. Don't aggrandize yourself. And remember, we really are all connected Mm-hmm. We really are kind of all in this together. And yeah, we're going to talk politics in a couple of minutes. And it is true that we're living in a time where people kind of think of themselves in different tribes. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we can't be friends. That doesn't mean we can't talk to each other. So Rush were thinking in that way. They were thinking that wherever you are in terms of your philosophy, your politics, whatever, the only thing that matters is think for yourself and put ethics first. That's and right. I think that's a universal message.
1: I was just going to ask you about the Rush Fancast podcast, and I'm so glad you brought it up. How did you end up hooking up with those guys? Because it's so nice to see you in that forum commenting on Rush music, especially Rush music that is kind of out of your wheelhouse because I know you, you prefer seventies rush music. You like the earlier rush albums, I like
2: but the seventies yeah, and eighties are yeah. kind of my favorites. Yeah. But, but the truth is I'm still thinking like a music director. Mm-hmm. I've, I've mentioned the DJ rule more than once to people. I teach public speaking yeah. and I do seminars and, you know, I, I, I will zoom into your classroom if you want me to. If you've got a classroom and you, you want go. someone to come in yep. and teach about media analysis and fake news and fact checking, I'm happy to do it. But that having been said, um, the DJ rule is that if you're a DJ, the chances are real good that you're going to end up playing some songs that you personally can't stand. But you got to remember, every time you play one of those songs that you personally can't stand, somebody out there is going, Thank you. That's my favorite song.
0: <laughs> right, right. So
2: instead of thinking about how it affects you personally, think about the fact that you are possibly making someone else really happy by doing that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So when I listen to Rush albums, I'm not always listening for like, well, this is my favorite song. I'm thinking about, oh, I wonder how the fans feel about this record. I wonder how the fans feel about this song. Like when I would go to the concerts, I would watch very carefully to see which songs people really react to. Not just the super fans, but like the people that got dragged there by their you know, significant other. And suddenly they find themselves kind of getting into it, mm-hmm. okay? So the fact that for some people *Limelight* or *Tom Sawyer* are being overplayed, for other people, they're newbies. Yeah. They don't know Rush, and that's their introduction to it. And when you and I are like, "Oh my God, if I ever hear <laughs> *Limelight* one more time, I think I will upchuck."
0: <laughs> Somebody
2: else is going, "Wow, is that new?" Yeah. What a who is that band? Yeah. So. That's the DJ rule. Just because you personally don't like X, somebody else might really, really like it. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. So, yeah, I can find something on any Rush album. Yeah. But the thing I like about the Rush deep dive and they reached out to me, they just for reasons that I'm not clear on, but. They got in touch and said, you know, we know you know a lot about Rush. And I'm like, yeah, I think so. Um, and they said, <laughs> the well. understatement you,
1: of the century, yeah.
2: <laughs> would you like to be on our webcast? And mm. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't do a lot of webcasts. I'm very shy, okay? Now, <laughs> people are laughing.
0: Yeah, but I know. That's I am.
2: Why, but that's why I did radio. Uh-huh. When I was a kid growing up. I was mocked and bullied a lot. Everyone told me I was ugly. Everyone told me that no one would ever want me. All of my peers, I mean, there was tremendous anti-Semitism back in those days. I've mentioned I was beaten up and called a Christ killer. I was, oh, the stuff. Those allegedly good old days. And because of the fact that I was a feminist before that was a thing, I mean, I knew I wanted a career from about the time I was four. I knew I didn't want to have kids. I knew I did want to get married, but I wanted it to be an egalitarian marriage, which again, I didn't have the words for it. I just knew what I wanted. Yeah. And because I didn't wear makeup and I was different from a lot of the other kids, that was not okay with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I really, really had a difficult time growing up. I frequently, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, Sunk into depression. I wanted to die. Ugh. I did not think I would make it out of teenage life. I just, it was awful. I couldn't take another day of it. Mm-hmm. And what helped me to get through was poetry, which I love, and music, which I love, and radio, my favorite rock and roll DJs. They just made me feel better. Mm-hmm. The lyrics to my favorite songs made me feel better. And I made a promise. That if I could ever get on the radio, I wanted to be that DJ. I wanted to be the one that played those songs that helped some other lonely teenager feel better. Like rock and roll music helped me to feel better. Mm -hmm. There's a song, I think it was by Foghat, called Stone Blue. When I was blue, stone blue, rock and roll sure helped me through. That. Yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That. And I'm not even a Foghat fan. Yeah. But the fact is, <laughs> there are many times, you know, um, song by night, hot summer nights. There was a time not too far gone when I was changed by just one song. Yeah. Th- mm-hmm. those Those were, that was the story of my life. Those were the things that helped me get through my childhood. When I felt no one else understood me, there was the music there were the DJs and I knew I had to be a part of that somehow. I never got in it for the lifestyle. I still don't smoke. I still don't drink. I still don't do drugs, but I loved the music Mm -hmm. and back to the DJ rule. Even if it was a song that I didn't like, I knew that there was some lonely kid sitting in their house going that song. Thank you for playing that song.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I
2: was thinking in that way. So, yeah, I was very hesitant
0: mm-hmm.
2: to do the webcast because I don't like the way I look. I've never liked the way I look, okay? You, I you, mean, look,
1: you look wonderful. You, you know what? You, they you, can't
2: see us so that you're just being kind.
1: <laughs> well, um, you know what? They can see you in the little avatar that goes along with this episode of the show. And uh, you're but, a but, lovely, but lovely reality, woman, yeah.
2: But the reality is, I didn't like the way I looked because all my life I was told that I didn't look right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I didn't look like a Playboy bunny. I didn't look like this. I didn't look like that. Years later, we're more tolerant of these things. Okay. I mean, I never think much about how people look. I know how you look because I've seen pictures of you, but I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Now, it turns out you're just incredibly handsome, sir, and you should be in movies. And there you are. Okay. But, but the reality is, I grew up just, wow, radio is the perfect place for someone that looks like me. I'll yeah. go into radio. And I'm very serious. I'm not being sarcastic. I just felt like if I was in radio, people would just hear my voice. Mm-hmm. And I still think I have a pretty good voice. So I never wanted to really... on TV. I felt very awkward. I've been on TV a few times. I felt incredibly self-conscious and I probably looked it. Okay. I mean, I'll do it if someone asks me to do it. At this point, I'm a professional. Fine. You want me to do a TV thing? I'll do a TV thing. Mm -hmm. But when the webcast came along and they reached out to me and said, would you like to analyze some Rush lyrics? I was like, wow, that sounds like an incredible amount of fun. I love analyzing lyrics. Doesn't matter which generation. I Just I like analyzing lyrics and knowing that maybe the song that I pick will be somebody's favorite song. Win-win.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and it's something that I think a lot of us uh, have in common who go into radio is, and one of the reasons why, in fact, you kind of had to cajole me to turn on my uh, video camera <laughs> during this conversation because I am so resistant to being on video. It's, you know, there are a number That's of cute. reasons for it, but one That's of it is, cute. yeah, well, I uh, don't you know. But
2: anyway, when you're a rush fan, you must be cute. There's a rule. <laughs> rush fans are cute. It's just, you know, you want to be in our club. You gotta be cute.
1: <laughs> There's gotta be a level of cuteness. Okay. That's
2: Absolutely. I'll accept Absolutely. that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's another on the list of common threads among rush fans. Oh, cuteness. Boy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Indeed.
1: Definitely. Indeed. Okay, we'll get back to our conversation with Donna Halper here in just a second, but first, there's so much going on in the world that can make it difficult for us to relax and decompress. I've got a solution for you, though. They sound scary. They've got a scary name, but they're totally not scary. They're CBD gummies called Sunday Scaries. So if you're looking for a way to decompress, Sunday Scaries can help. Visit sundayscaries.com, use the promo code SEXYLIBERAL, all one word at checkout, to get 25% off your order. That's 25 Percent off at Sundayscaries.com with the promo code Sexy Liberal. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. These products are not for use by persons under the age of 18 years old. That's sundayscaries.com, promo code Sexy Liberal. Thank you. The
0: Bob Seska Show.
1: So, you know, on my uh, Tuesday show yesterday, uh, my co-host Buzz and I talked about how there's been a kind of a declining interest in the news over the past five or six months. And the question is, is this temporary or did Trump permanently burn people out with following politics and current events and things like that? Is this is this a temporary decline that maybe will return in 22 when people start to get interested in the midterms or whatever? Or is this going to be a permanent trend where people are just turning off, turning off the news?
2: Actually, I think none of the above. Oh, here's. Here's Donna, the media historian, for a second. I'm right. my media historian hat on. Okay? Perfect. Um, the fact is, by and large, most people aren't interested in the news. I'd love to tell you they all are, mm-hmm. but I'd be lying to you. The reality is that most people are only interested in the news every now and then. Okay? There are certain stories that they're really, back to the DJ rule, there are certain stories that they're like... <coughs> Oh my god, Britney Spears! And and like what's going to happen to her? You know? Um, and then there's (laughs) other stories where it's just kind of yawn, wake me when it's over. So what Trump did was he turned everything into such a spectacle that it artificially boosted interest. It was like Britney Spears 24 Mm seven. Okay. It was like um, all reality TV all the time, except it's kind of like if I turn you loose in a bakery and you're 10 years old and you're like, Oh my God, I just got turned loose in a bakery. Look at all these pies. But at a certain point, you're like, ew, pie. Mm -hmm. Never want to see another pie again. That's true. And gradually, you kind of work your way back to what was normal for you. So what I think is happening is we all got artificially goosed, as it were, with spectacle, spectacle, spectacle. I can't believe he said X. I can't believe he said Y. And I think that people got honed in on the spectacle. And now things are just working their way back to where they were before, where a certain group of people are really interested in politics and everybody else is kind of like, what's the latest spectacle? Huh? okay, critical race theory, huh? Okay, yeah, that sounds like a spectacle, all right. So the truth is there are a number of big stories that people ought to be following and the vast majority of folks I've kind of gone back to their lives. This is a tough period of time for many of us, okay? Many people have been out of work. Many people have been affected by the virus. Mm -hmm. Many people have lost people. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the people that we've lost in the Rush family. I'm talking an awful lot of folks, 400 and something close to 500,000 of them lost their lives due to COVID. So there's a real good chance that there's people in the audience who are just getting back to their normal life, except their loved ones aren't in it anymore.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: And there's a lot of adjustment. There's a lot of people trying to find their way. Do I want to go back to the office? Do I not want to go back to the office? You know, my favorite shows were canceled. My, you know, the places I used to go aren't open anymore. And... Trump is no longer on the scene. So yeah, I think that for some people, this is an adjustment. Mm -hmm. This is a great deal of transitioning. And I'm not terribly worried about whether people will meander back to news. I'm more worried about the spread of pernicious lies Fake news. I mean, actual fake news, not yeah. just something that like some politician doesn't like. It just, oh, you're fake news. No, I'm talking about the real definition of fake news. Quotes that were never really said, events that never really happened, and an intentional effort to mislead the public. OK,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and there's an awful lot of that around, unfortunately, on social media and on certain cable channels, and from certain commentators that have blogs and this and that. So that is really infecting the population at a time when a great deal of transition is taking place. So we got to redouble our efforts to get people interested in what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. But I have the feeling that as people adjust and as they adapt they will get back to being interested. I just don't think they're going to be as interested as they were when they were alone in that bakery with all those pies for the past, <laughs> X, past X number yes. of years.
1: <laughs> I love the pie right. metaphor, by the way. Uh, what do you Does make- Does that make any sense? Yeah, I, 100%. What do you make of Rupert Murdoch's attempt now to get, speaking of fake news, to get into weather, to put the Fox News taint on weather forecasting. Now, hey,
2: watch out for those hurricanes. They're they're only coming to blue states because like illegals and 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 like critical race theory and, and like. That's right. So, um, yeah. I'm I'm, it's, I'm probably not going to watch it.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't sense. think so. But yeah,
2: yes, I. Uh, It's on my list. Okay. (laughs) But it's a really long list. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, root canal surgery, I think it's it's somewhere around root canal surgery. So um, yeah, Yeah. there's that. Wait, can we talk for a second about critical race theory?
1: Sure. Yes. Let's talk about that. What do you what do you make of this, uh, this amplification of something that's not really happening?
2: Yeah, it's not really a thing. Yeah. Um, But here's what bothers me. And this has continued to bother me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Jen Mercia, and if you haven't read her stuff, you ought to. M E R C I E C A. Okay. Jen Mercia is a professor of rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Okay. She has a wonderful book about the rhetoric of Donald Trump. And she made a really interesting quote on a talk show a couple of weeks ago where she said that the news and the media used to manufacture consent, like we all agreed to certain facts. Now it manufactures dissent.
0: Hmm.
2: Now the goal of so many media outlets is to keep you outraged. Yeah. Because that's great for their ratings, but it's terrible for democracy. I blogged this past week about the fact that I am outraged that teachers are being demonized. <laughs> teachers, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I cannot think of a harder working, lower paid bunch of people than teachers. You don't go into teaching because you're gonna make the big bucks. You go into teaching because you want to educate kids. Yeah, And I think... It is a sin that right-wing media, and I'm sorry, if lefty media were doing this, I'd be yelling at lefty media. Sure. This one is a righty thing right now, okay? Believe me, I go after the lefties when I need to go after the lefties. Mm -hmm. But this is media criticism 101, you follow the facts. Right now, on right-wing media, they are spreading this myth that Teachers in public schools are indoctrinating children to hate white people. Donna is white, okay? Donna was not indoctrinated to hate anybody, okay? And I do not know any teachers in any public schools. Now, I'm sure there's an exception somewhere, and it'll be on Fox News tonight. But the reality is most teachers are not there to indoctrinate, okay? Okay. But right now, in red states all over the country, they are passing laws that are weaponizing the stuff they're hearing from right-wing commentators. And right-wing commentators are doing it to get ratings, and politicians are doing it to stay in power, Mm -hmm. and the teachers are becoming the punching bags. In red states, they are passing laws forbidding teachers from discussing anything that will make people feel uncomfortable. Huh? Mm -hmm. Uh, By that logic, I better not talk about like, and if you have to go to the restroom, children, you know, because some people might be like really (laughs) upset about hearing about the restroom.
0: What? Mm.
2: So first of all, these laws are unconstitutional. But even if they weren't, by the time they wend their way through the courts, this is creating a climate of fear. If I'm teaching a high school class and the students want to talk about racism, some of these laws that are being passed say that I cannot talk about racism. Incredible. No offense. I'm a media historian. I follow the facts. It is a fact That racism has been involved in a lot of decisions that politicians have made over the years. And you know what? Anti-Semitism, too. Sorry. And also sexism and also homophobia. Mm -hmm. Here's a newsflash. Politicians are human beings. And some of them are pretty craven. And if they have to weaponize hatred to get to stay in power, they're going to weaponize hatred to stay in power. Yep. Okay. And it's a shame and yet it keeps happening. Mm-hmm. And I have many friends who are teachers who teach civics, history, geography, you know, stuff that used to be pretty non-controversial. And now they're getting screamed at. And now school boards are like, you know, we can't have this critical race theory to Here's a newsflash. It's not taught. It's a college theory. Mm -hmm. And as General Milley, and shame on Tucker Carlson for insulting General Milley. Did Was I asleep when Tucker Carlson served in the military? (laughs) No,
0: no, he didn't. He didn't. Um,
2: General Milley said, Hmm. and I've said this too, by the way, General Milley said he studied communism. He studied Leninism. He studied Stalinism. He doesn't believe in any of those things. Right. But he believes that it's important to study them. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I think as a professor, that children, when they are old enough to understand it, do need to know the full history of our country. And they do need to know that while we certainly love our country, we can recognize the mistakes our country has made. But these laws are like, nope, we never made a mistake. Everything is fine. And you're not allowed to teach anything that will make students feel uncomfortable uh then why do i teach oh yeah i don't teach intentionally to make people uncomfortable but like rush lyrics if you choose not to decide you still have made a choice <laughs> if i intentionally deny my students the opportunity to make a decision based on facts then i'm not being ethical yeah yeah but my responsibility is to make sure that no one is insulted on either side, but that facts are put front and center, and then students can differ on the evaluation of those facts. I'll give you an example.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: We had a very heated conversation during the primaries when Biden and Sanders were slugging it out. Now we can have a great debate about do you like either one of them, I'm fine with that debate but a couple of students who were big fans of one or the other got into name calling. And I was like, wait a minute. Nope. Uh Uh-uh. Not doing this. You want to talk about the policies that you disagree with? That's a conversation we can have. You want to character assassinate one or the other? That's a conversation we're not going to have. And no, I'm not censoring you. I'm just making sure the conversation stays around facts as opposed to name calling
0: good for you okay? yep I
2: don't like ad hominem attacks mm-hmm. you don't like me fine tell me <clears> what <throat> I said you didn't like but don't call me a blah 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 because you know that doesn't teach me anything right so all the teachers that I know that are good teachers and there are many all they want to do is have a reasoned discussion about the controversial events in American history, and let students know that there are many ways of looking at these events. Why would you, my conservative friends howl about cancel culture. This is cancel culture. Absolutely. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Students cannot learn about X, Y, or Z because it might hurt their tender little feelings.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I'm not there to hurt people's tender little feelings, I promise you, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. But conversely, I also don't want to deny them the facts about what happened. Now, I know what some people are thinking. How do you know the facts that, well, I'm a media historian, it's what I do, okay? And I very, very carefully look into What were righties saying about this? What were lefties saying about this? What were libertarians saying? What were people from various states? I mean, I try to build a narrative based around the different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And then I put it out there and I let my students think about it. By denying students the right to think, like I said, that is the ultimate cancel culture. Yep. And I can't stand watching friends of mine getting demonized just for trying to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. Seriously.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're ramping up and to making kids. teachers. Pu- Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and they're ramping up to make teachers enemy number one again. I mean, for many, many years, and I'm talking about Fox News Channel here, for many, many years, people like Jesse Waters, for example, who's now the host of The Five, right? Back in the day, he was Bill O'Reilly's, like, right-hand man. And Bill O'Reilly would send Jesse Waters out to harass high school principals, other educators, school board members, where he would accost them in their driveway or in their parking lot outside the school. Now—
2: The whole world, notice how they're framing it, that public school teachers are indoctrinating the students. Yeah. Uh, No, Mm. that's not happening. Yeah. Um, What is happening is there are a lot of controversies in American history. Sure. There are a lot of controversies in literature. There are a lot of controversies in all kinds of things. Now, agreed. If I'm teaching a kindergarten class, I'm teaching kids manual dexterity and painting and science, and, but at a level that a five-year-old can understand. Mm-hmm. But if I'm teaching a high school class and I have a student that says to me, what do you think about what happened to fill in the blank? Um, what am I going to say? I'm not allowed by law to discuss this. What? <laughs> this is where we are? Yeah. So, no, that's not indoctrination. That's censorship. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be against censorship from the left, then you have to be against it from the right. Right, right. Censorship isn't useful. Telling kids what they can or cannot study isn't useful. Trust the teachers. Trust the teachers who are trained professionals That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Yeah. Support their work. If you don't like what they're doing, go get a degree and you teach. Mm-hmm. The thing that just irritates me is when people who in many cases have never done X, and yet they're holding forth. Like I said, Tucker Carlson never served a day in the military. Nope. Okay. And yet he's out there like, General Milley is a stupid pig. I'm like, really? Mm. Okay. Uh, General Milley is one of the most widely admired generals, okay? And yeah, we can have a good debate about whether we agree with military policy. Fine, Mm. let's have that debate. But the name-calling, what is this, the fifth grade? (laughs) What are we, in the sandbox? It's kindergarten time. That was my big problem with the previous president.
0: Yeah, The
2: promoting of not just myths and conspiracy theories, but petty grievance and name calling. And I talked to teachers about this. They were like, <laughs> kids are like, well, the president does it. Whether you like Joe Biden or whether you hate him, he is a decent human being. Yeah, He does not insult people. He does not mock people. He talks to people courteously. Now, sure, does he lose his temper sometimes? Yep, absolutely. Name me a politician who doesn't. Mm-hmm. But the tone is back to what I am used to. I am used to presidents acting like grown-ups. I think that's important, whether you're a righty or whether you're a lefty. Like, you and I can have a conversation. Maybe we agree on X, maybe we disagree on X we're going to have the conversation, we're going to put our feelings out there, and then in the end we're going to go get a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Treating everything like it's World War 3. Yeah. This is where again that whole reality show thing where it's like professional wrestling, life is lo- Oh my god, I've got to defeat you. I I watched like Peter Ducey in the press room there. <laughs> like it's all gotcha. Let's see <laughs> if I can do a gotcha on Gen Saki. Mhm why? Uh, We all know you work for Fox News. Yeah. And you don't like Democrats. I get it. That's what you were trained to do. So you're there to try to make Democrats look bad. Fine with me. But why does everything have to be gotcha? Mm. It is true. People make mistakes. Yeah. I'm sure I've made more than my share in life. I'm the first one to admit it. But don't do gotcha. Tell me how I can be better. Mm -hmm. Tell me what I can do to improve. If you don't agree with me, let me know courteously. I'll be happy to get back to you. We'll have a conversation. But if there's one thing that I've noticed over the past X number of years is how angrier, more confrontational, and more hateful the conversations have gotten. And I think that is profoundly disappointing.
1: And all it takes is one move, you know. I want to go back to uh, teachers. And I'm
2: sorry if I'm taking up too much of your. Oh time my god!
1: Are you kidding me? This is what the show is all about. This is don't don't are, even right? give it a second thought. This is all about you. And but the
2: no when no, it comes it's your show, I'm your
1: guest. <laughs> right. Well, you're my guest, and the guest comes first. But in terms and, of and
2: yeah, see if we ever have you on again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here's the thing um, that's coming up next with Fox News Channel. Tucker Carlson said uh, last night that he wants cameras in classrooms. He wants video cameras recording teachers to make sure they're not indoctrinating students. But what he really wants is cameras in classrooms played on endless repeat on Fox News Channel, and suddenly teachers are going to be on the front lines of Fox News' ridicule and demonization, where teachers are going to be a direct target with accompanying video on Fox News Channel. That's what they're looking at. It's going beyond what Jesse Waters used to do, accosting people in the parking lot. Now they want in-classroom material that Tucker Carlson can play from 8 to 9 o'clock every night in primetime on Fox News Channel.
2: This is something I've had to remind people of many times because I teach media analysis. Mm -hmm. Okay? Something called framing. It's a photography word originally, okay? And it refers to how a story is being told, what's in the frame, but what's excluded from the frame, okay? So in many cases, the stories that are on commentary programs, Mm -hmm. and here, let's be honest, both sides do this, okay? If I'm watching a lefty host, They're going to find the most ridiculous thing righties ever said, and it's going to be on a continuous loop over and over and over. Now, I happen to know that there are still some very principled right wing talk show hosts, okay, and that they despair. I think Charlie Sykes, for example, Charlie Sykes left right wing talk show Mm -hmm. hosting because he got so frustrated with what was happening to the Republican Party. He runs a website called The Bulwark, B-U-L-W-A-R-K, very worth reading, still pro-Republican, but doesn't like what happened to the party. Okay. He's still a very principled guy. I respect him. We just don't always agree on the issues. So I would not take something that he said, because he's a reasonable guy. I would take somebody who's like a raving crazy. And then I'd put that on a continuous loop and go, see, see how they are. Okay. (laughs) And this is what you find on Fox News every night of the week. You can find some really marginal figure who does not represent Democrats, liberals, or anybody else for that matter. And they're going to be played on a continuous loop as, if, see, see what Democrats and liberals are like. And this is the framing that is being used. It is taking an extreme view and making it seem like it's the norm. So yeah, I am sure that Tucker Carlson and his producers could find a teacher who said something that out of context, look kind of crazy. But in context, might not look so crazy at all. If you were in my classroom, I promise you, and I warn my students of this, I promise you that I will say something that offends you. Now, I won't mean it. I, it's not like I wake up on a Thursday, and you know, let me see how many people I can offend today. But it happens. In normal conversation, I don't know what's going to plug you in. I don't know what's going to "Ah," trigger you. I have no idea. I'm not Yogi the mind reader. I'm just Donna. And there are times when I will say something that offends you. And if I do, let me know. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, that's not Tucker's goal. His goal is not to inform. His goal is to demonize and be right about it, because that's great for ratings. So if he can find some really fringe player who said something that seems really outrageous, he can put that on a continuous loop. Now, the thing that I am worried about is that what Tucker says soon becomes right-wing Republican policy in state after state. Yep. If this were just Tucker, if this were just Sean Hannity, or Laura Ingram, or anybody else for that matter, or Charlie Sykes. It's like, yeah, years ago, people said stuff from the right or from the left, they said stuff. And you heard it on their show and you went like, yeah, I agree, or yeah, I disagree. And that was the end of that. But today there's this feedback loop. Fox News says X. Somebody in right-wing politics watches them saying X, knows they have a big audience, they repeat X. Pretty soon, X is being said on shows all over the country, and the people that are in that bubble only hear it. And pretty soon, it becomes turned into policy. Mm-hmm. That's what makes me really nervous. Yeah. Because you have a situation where demonstrable falsehoods are becoming public Policy. Yeah, we're seeing this with the January 6th insurrection. Oh, no, it was just a little tourist event. And like people were very loving and respectful and besides Antifa squirrel. you know, And here we have somebody on a talk show, claiming that it wasn't an insurrection. And that the election, like there was like fraud and no evidence of fraud, no, it wasn't Antifa. And yet every day I have conservative friends of mine who quote back to me. Yes, but 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 Tucker said there was rampant fraud. And and mm. so if that's the bubble you're in, mm-hmm. I will never tell people don't watch X. I will just say, don't only watch X. Subject everything to fact-checking. If you're going to watch Tucker, fine, God bless you, but he doesn't have the Word of God. What he has is a desire to get ratings, and I don't blame him for the desire to get ratings. My problem is we're living in a very anti-intellectual time when a lot of people don't think for themselves, His mind is not for rent to any God or government. Don't rent out your mind to Tucker Carlson. That's right. Please, I beg you, Mm. or anybody else for that matter. Just because your favorite talk show host says X, still, go look and see if it's accurate. And don't just look on other opinion sites. Go look on reputable news sites and see if it really happened that way. Because when I fact check a lot of this stuff, which I do, When I fact check it, it's like, this never happened. Mm -hmm. Or if it did happen, it was so taken out of context that it's almost like ripped out of what was intended. Oh, sure. And that's very dangerous. We are keeping people, commentators, are keeping people in a perpetual state of outrage and a perpetual state of distrust. I read an article in the Washington Post yesterday where a nurse in a clinic in Appalachia said, I can't get people to get vaccinated because they heard on conservative talk shows that COVID is a myth and this is some kind of plot. And she said, somebody that has known me for years said to me, You can't fool me. I know you're in league with the government and you're boosting the COVID numbers to get a payback. And she's like, how do I deal with that? Wow. How do I? So that's where it leads. When people say, oh, this is just harmless entertainment. Folks, people are dying because of this. Folks, people are being screamed at and demonized because of this. It's great for Tucker's ratings. It's great for Newsmax and One America and some of these other networks, but it's horrible for our democracy. Yeah, I beg you, think for yourself. Mm-hmm. Find the facts. You may not like the facts, but that's okay. There'll be other facts you do like. That's right. Be courteous and find the facts.
1: I, You know, I have one last question for you, Donna, uh, before you go. <laughs> soup in the summer and ice cream in the winter. But oh, yes. p- please to explain the preference for ice cream in the winter and soup well, in the summer. Well, first
2: of all, I think ice cream is good anytime. Oh,
1: yes.
0: Yeah, right.
2: Any time. Right. Ne- I'm going to go have some in a few minutes. <laughs> there is never a bad time mm-hmm. for ice cream. Keep in mind. Yeah. As I have mentioned on more than one occasion, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. Mm-hmm. There's no hidden anything here. I just don't. It's my yeah. no choice. I've just never done it. That's right. Okay. So people would be like, well, what do you do to socialize? Uh, go out for ice cream? <laughs> go out for Coffee and cookies? I yeah. mean, why not? So at many occasions in my life when I would be backstage with a rock star and they'd be like, Hey, let's go out and do so." Oh wait, you don't do such and such. Okay. Mm. Well, what do you do? I'm like ice cream. Terrific. Let's go out <laughs> for an ice cream. And there you are. So are there any I famous
1: was- rock musicians that you had ice cream with?
2: Um The, one of the members of ZZ top, and I will keep him nameless, <laughs> uh, put the moves on me.
0: Uh, okay? Wow.
2: And I don't do that either. And I mean, I do, but not with him. Uh, And um, it was like, well, you know, if we're not going to, you know, well, what can we do? And I'm like, why don't we just go get an ice cream? That's so great. Turned out to be a really nice guy. We kept in touch for a while, really nice person. And um, yeah, so (laughs) I had ice cream with one of the members of ZZ Talk. And I also, I think I told you the story about how Bruce Springsteen drank my orange juice. I I, mean, I need
1: to know this story now. Bruce Springsteen drank your orange juice. He did. <laughs> okay, he tell did. me about this. Tell never, me about never
2: it. washed that glass again. <laughs> never. did. So it's a very long story. I'll tell it on some other episode. Oh,
1: okay, show. gotcha. All right, so it's a teaser for Good next time. People. Yeah.
2: But my point is, my point is, you can still have a great time and be social, Mm -hmm. and enjoy yourself, and be true to your ethics. So in my case, being true to my ethics is being about health. And people know that about me. And they know that, yeah, hey, a frozen yogurt, or an ice cream, or, you know, a coffee with soy milk, Mm -hmm. or a muffin. There is nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with finding your path, following it, other people may not like it. They may mock you, which has happened to me. But so what? I mean, yeah. I'm still here and I'm still doing what I do. And yeah, I like ice cream anytime. And I've been known to have soup in the summertime just because it tastes good. Yeah. It's about follow what works for Of you. course. My husband makes really good chicken soup. Chicken soup is Jewish penicillin. You know, when you're not feeling good, I strongly recommend chicken soup. Whether it's 90 out there or whether it's 20 out there, there's never a bad time for certain things. That's so right. yeah, ice cream in the winter, soup in the summer, so hot. Be happy.
1: And now there's going to be a whole like ZZ Top fan debate over which ah! ZZ Top member is a fan of the ice I'll never cream. Tell. Yeah, I'll never tell. <laughs> She's the great Donna Helper, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Deborah Lee on Twitter, and in fact, I'm going to put the uh, link in the description. And of course, the Rush Fancast show. Follow it Rush Fans on Instagram and everywhere you get your podcast. And finally, dhelperblog.blogspot.com is the blog, of course.
2: I believe thank- it's DL Helper.
1: Oh, it's DL Helper. You're exactly right. DL Helper. Blogspot. You know what?
2: I takes my publicity where I can get. Yeah, but that's my right. My favorite opportunity is being on your podcast, which I consider a giant privilege.
1: Oh uh, well, thank you so much for for being on again, Donna. You're wonderful. You're a great friend, and I appreciate it so much.
2: Many hugs. Take care, thank you,
1: sir. We'll see you next time.